You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. What a privilege to be here this morning. Uh, to I studied with Mike at uh, Sangre de Cristo Seminary. I uh, got to know Mike and Hannah there. Um, Mike was always, uh, he always challenged me in so many ways, and his love and his joy and his teaching was just an inspiration to me. And so I feel like, yikes, after sitting under that ministry, and, and, and you got like Bozo the Clown comes along. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, but, and what a privilege. I got this phone call, and I, it was from, I think it said Austin, Minnesota. I usually don't answer phone calls from people that, you know, from numbers, because I've been getting a lot of scammer calls and people that have been leaving messages saying that something's wrong with my social security number and all that kind of stuff, and I was just thinking, oh, it's another one of those. But then I thought, Austin, Minnesota, that's not the typical, you know, hangout for scammers, so I called it back, and it was Mike. I was like, hey, Kevin, could you, would you be willing to come down and teach? So I, praise God. Thank you for the opportunity to stand here this morning. Um, just a, as a quick introduction, uh, this is my beautiful wife, Robin. And uh, we've had the privilege to serve the Lord in northeast Cambodia, a little province called Ratanakuri, working with a tribal group called the Brau, and uh, laboring there for close to 16, 17 years doing leadership development and church planning, leadership development, so training pastors. So it's this one of those strange ironies. I've never served as a pastor in the United States, uh, but I've served as training and equipping pastors in Southeast Asia. So that doesn't always translate to good sermons. Uh, disclaimer right away. Um, I do want to challenge us this morning. Um, but I also want to encourage us. So the, the title of my sermon is Something Better. That's key. Because life comes at us fast. And we have challenges in our lives that are tremendous. And, but we have a future hope that is astounding. Astounding. There's no other word. It's awesome and glorious that's waiting for us, kept in heaven for us. And so sometimes we have to go through those dark seasons, but as we're going through those dark seasons, never lose sight of that glorious future hope that we have in Christ. And that's what I want to encourage us with uh, this morning. Um, so if you have your Bibles, if you could just open to Hebrews chapter 10. And I want to fix our attention on verses 32 to 39. And you're going to be aware right away that I'm just ripping that out of a longer context. We're going to get to the the, the other context, but I want to set our focus on this text initially. So, um, is it your tradition to stand during the reading of God's word? No? Okay. 
I don't want to step on any tradition or uh, any there. Okay, starting at verse 32. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Sometimes by being publicly exposed to reproach and afflictions and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. And here's the key. As we don't often associate, you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, right? So there's something that's working there that enables that. And it's this next phrase. Since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one, therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word. It is a light unto our paths. Lord, thank you so much that it illumines us, it it enlightens us, it reveals to us the glory of Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you so much that you gave it to us and that, Lord, that we have it available to us in our language. What What a privilege that is. There are so many tribal groups and there's so many other larger groups that have not one scripture in their language. And Lord, thank you so much that we've even got multiple translations. Lord, you have blessed us. And Lord, I thank you so much for the gospel. Thank you so much that you loved us so much that you sent your son to live a perfect life, that perfect life that we couldn't live, and to take our sins upon him and go to the cross and die for us in our place. Thank you so much for that. And Lord, thank you that you did not leave him in the grave, but that on the third day he rose again from the dead. And Lord, that sealed your pleasure in his sacrifice. You revealed that you accepted his sacrifice on our behalf. Thank you so much for that. Lord, would you help us to live in the light of that? And Lord, would you give us ears to hear and hearts to respond to your word this morning? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So working in, in Cambodia, we were working with a lot of people that are suffering. And coming from the land of, it almost seems like Disneyland, and living in Fargo, North Dakota, North Dakota, uh, it just, there's not a lot of persecution or there's not a lot of like real hard times for Christians. Pretty easy. And so to be put into a position where you're doing ministry with people that are suffering, which is a tr- tremendous challenge. Um, but it opened the scriptures to me in a, in a fresh way. I just started seeing suffering everywhere. 
talking to suffering believers, it seems like it's, it's everywhere. In, in little ways, uh, it's just amazing. But in this passage, this passage is designed to give encouragement to believers who are ready to throw in the towel. They're ready to say, I'm done with this. If you step back with me to the, 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 uh, the full context here, in chapter 10, verse 19, it begins with a therefore brothers, or therefore brothers and sisters. It's a new section in this letter. It's the final section, final exhortation. And it starts off with this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good, de- good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So he starts this section just laying out here. Right, we have confidence to enter into the holy place through the blood of Jesus Christ. In the Old, in the old Covenant, the high priest would be able to go into the Holy of Holies once a year. Once a year. And I've heard stories, and I've, no, I've, I've never really been able to find out if this is true, but I've heard that they actually tied a rope to his, his foot around his ankle in case he died in there because they could pull him out. He was entering into the very presence of God as a high priest to offer a sacrifice once a year. We're talking about the holiness of God here. We're talking about this mankind in our sinful state approaching a holy, a holy, righteous God. And there's this fear that should come into our hearts as we think about that. To enter into God's presence without the covering of Jesus Christ, his righteousness given to us, would be absolute terror. But it's been open for us that we can go in. Before there was a curtain, that curtain was ripped at, at when Christ died on the cross. But now in this language, it says that there's a new curtain. What's that curtain? Christ's own flesh, his death on our behalf. So because of what Christ accomplished for us, we can enter into that one place, to the Holy of Holies, before the very throne room of God, And we can go and make our request to God and hears us. So he begins this with, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by this new and living way that he opened for us through the the curtain that is his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, so Jesus was our high priest. He went in, offered his own blood on the altar for us dealt with our sins, not just once a year, 
but one sacrifice for all time. And so we have this high priest, Jesus, who did that for us. And I just want to just throw this out to you. If you're struggling with the understanding that God loves you, never, never look in. Never look to yourself to say, why would God love me? Here's what you do. Look at the cross. If there's a statement with an exclamation point that shows the love of God for you, it's the cross. Jesus died for you. So if you struggle with that, and I know some people do, don't look to yourself. Don't look and find some reason why God might love you. Look to the cross. Jesus loved you and gave his life for you. So this section begins with laying that out. We have confidence to enter into the very presence of God because of what Jesus did for us. And then he says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Don't doubt. Enter. And with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with... Let us hold fast the confession of our hope there's a, there's a hope, and this is what I want to get into today, this hope, the confession of our hope. Hold on to that. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting. This fellowship of believers, we've been brought in together. Right? Uh, I've heard the, the phrase that perseverance in faith is a community project. We pray for one another. We encourage one another. We hold out hope for one another. So we're on this course together unto our final meeting with our Lord Jesus Christ. But in this church, it says there were some, some issues. The writer continues here, For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. So if we reject this perfect redemption that Christ offered to us through his death on the cross, if we reject that, there's nothing left. We can't just keep holding out. It's not like uh, there used to be this program when I was younger. Probably nobody remembers it. Monty Hall, what is it? Uh, It was like you could say, you could take the, what's in the box or you could take what's behind curtain number one or curtain number two and you could always be looking for the next best thing to come along. The best thing is already there for us through Christ. There's not another op- There's not going to be another option for redemption. It's in Christ or it's not at all. He goes on here, anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has spurned the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So within the fellowship of these believers, there were some, and we see hints of it throughout this whole letter, but we see hints of it that things just started getting tough. 
These were primarily people that were coming out of a Jewish context. They knew the Old Testament. They came out of that. And when they came out of that, they started experiencing perhaps loneliness. Maybe their families were pushing them away. There was persecution. You know, the Jewish religion had some freedoms under the Roman system, but then as Christians started preaching the gospel, they were pushed out from underneath the umbrella of Judaism, which had been you know, given this grandfather clause within the Roman system. And so you no longer had those protections, and then now you're exposed to the fury of the state. So there's persecution, loneliness. All of these challenges were starting to add up. And there were some people that were just saying, if this is, if this is Christianity, I don't want any of it. And the writer is writing to people that are in danger of doing that, of throwing in the towel, saying, this is not worth my... It's too hard. So when we get to our text here in 32, he's going to remind them of how things were when they first received Christ. Recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. So after these, these whoever the recipients of this letter, after they had come to know the truth of the gospel, they were subjected to all sorts of persecution and suffering. And yet they received it joyfully. They joyfully accepted the plundering of their goods. To me, it just makes me stutter. They were so aware of the future blessings that that were theirs in Christ that everything else on this earth just paled in significance. They they saw something in the future that was theirs by faith, and they had hope in that, that they were enabled to endure the suffering and the persecutions that were theirs. So then our writer continues here, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward because you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. So there's this possible for us, possible dark future for us where we might go through some hard times and we're called to endurance during that, to be faithful so that we fulfill God's purposes for our lives. I, I want to read something here for you. It's a, I, I read this a number of years ago, and it's just one of those, those stories that gets into your heart. 
um, one defector from North Korea told the U.S. Commission about his memories as a soldier in the North Korean Army. He can remember an incident when his unit was dispatched to clear the ground of obstacles so that a road between Pyongyang and Nampo could be widened. His unit began tearing down a vacant house in Yongkang County that was in the construction zone. When they began to tear down the foundation, they found a small notebook in the debris. Upon inspection, it turned out to contain a church roster with the names of a pastor, two assistant pastors, and other local Christians. The roster was immediately handed over to the authorities. The 25 people who were listed in the notebook were arrested and brought to the road construction site. Five of those detained were listed as leaders in the notebook and were bound and laid down on the ground. The other 20 were forced to stand on the side. Announcements were quickly made in surrounding areas in order to assemble more observers to the punishment. The five Christian leaders lay on the ground while a large steamroller was positioned in front of them. They were told to reject Jesus Christ and serve only Kim Il-sung and his son Kim Jong-il or they would die. None of the Christian leaders said a word. They were given another chance to save their lives. These five leaders were told that they could continue living their lives and things would go back to the way they were if they would only deny the name of Jesus Christ. Fellow Christians in the crowd began to cry out, begging the leaders to do what was necessary to save their lives. Their friends and family members could not bear to watch the horrid execution that was about to take place. The steamroller started up. The ultimatum was offered once again. Reject Jesus and live or refuse to deny him and die. They remained silent. They had made their choice. It was clear that they would rather die than deny their Lord. The steamroller began to roll towards the pastor and the elders and slowly drove over their bodies, crushing them to death. Some of the Christians who knew the pastor fainted when they saw the crushed bodies. So put yourself in their position. You're laid on the ground. You hear the the engine of a steamroller. You start smelling the diesel smoke. The, the, the thing rolls up to you. You're given one opportunity, deny Christ and live or can maintain your faith and die. So these five men chose to hold on to Christ and to die. And they died. No glory, no fanfare, Nobody applauding them. No congressional medal of honor. No worldly praise. But they were willing to lay down their lives for Christ. Why? Because they were holding on to a future hope. Something that is so great. Something. Sorry so glorious that they were willing to be crushed to death so that they could hold that. I want us to just consider 
what is our future hope? Just for a minute. What is it that is ours because of what Christ accomplished for us? Eternal life in the presence of God. Revelation says the dwelling place of God is with human beings, with us. And so there is this glorious future for all of us who believe that we will dwell with God forever and ever. We will have eternal life. It can never be taken away from us. We will know fully that we are forgiven. See, right now, sometimes we doubt that we've been forgiven. Sometimes we wonder if God could forgive us for some of the things that we have done. We will know that we're forgiven and that we've been accepted into his family. We're going to know that we're accepted and that we've been reconciled to a holy God. We're going to know that. We're going to experience that. We are going to be completely set free from sin. Can you imagine that? What will it be like to never feel ashamed because you did that again? Never to feel like you've displeased the Lord, to be set free from the bondage of sin completely and being free from it forever. It's ours in Christ waiting for us in heaven. We are going to be filled with inexpressible joy for all eternity, ever increasing. And we're going to be able to to accept it because we're going to be given glorified bodies to experience that joy in. Uh, As we grow, we'll never know all there is to know about God. And for all eternity, we're going to be learning more and more about who God is. And as we learn about him, our understanding of his power and his glory and his majesty is going to to work for us a greater amount of joy as we understand more fully how glorious he is. We're going to enjoy fellowship with Jesus Christ. We're going to see him face to face. The Spirit is going to be our constant companion. We'll be able to worship God with all of our being and never be distracted. We will never again suffer pain or sickness or disease or death. All of that's passing away. That's a part of this fallen evil age gone forever. There's never going to be a fear. You will never fear again. There's never going to be a time where you're going to be afraid of what somebody else might think of you or be afraid of what they might do to you. Totally set free from fear. We're going to be strong and healthy forever. For the younger people here that probably doesn't make a lot of sense but in as you get older and your knees are not working as well and your back hurts a little bit you're going to be strong and healthy forever you'll never be lonely never feel guilty you'll never be jealous or envious you'll be truly good 
truly good. You'll be truly humble, meek, and pure in heart. You will love perfectly. You will be truly happy. You will be radiantly beautiful. And that will be for all eternity. That's the destiny that's awaiting us as believers. And it can never be taken away from us. It's as Peter, in Peter's first epistle, he says, it's waiting for us. This inheritance is waiting for us in heaven, kept in heaven for you. It's undefiled. There's no way that somebody can break in and start messing with it. It's ours because of what Jesus Christ accomplished for us. Now, we live in a fallen world. And we live in hard times where things don't always go our way. Uh, With these believers in North Korea, they were not having their best life now. (laughs) I would say that. And yet, they were faithful to God to the end and they are enjoying his presence now unencumbered. They're totally free, set free to worship. That principle of something better, of that future hope, is what enables us to endure our sufferings and our afflictions here. We have faith in God and his his work that we're saved. We have a future hope that all of his good purposes he's going to fulfill for us. And that frees us to love. So that I saw this, I saw this in Northeast Cambodia. I saw this in, in Vietnam. There's, there's something about being set free from wanting to strike back or to get revenge. Right? So oftentimes when somebody does something to us, we want to strike back and we want to make sure they understand how, how badly we were hurt by that. But when you are setting your heart and your affections on this future hope and you're content with God's will and purposes for your life in your sufferings, it sets you free to love your enemies and to do good to them and not to desire to strike back. Because what can our enemies do but nothing but good for us, right? Even their evil intent, God uses us, uses that in our lives to strengthen and encourage and bless us so that our faith is purified. Our enemies can't do anything to us. They can kill the body, but they cannot kill the soul. So uh, the writer to the Hebrews here, he is writing to a group of Christians or to a group of people who are, and we don't know their full status, if they had come into the church and were just beginning to hear the gospel and they're going through that, or if these, we don't know. But it's a group of people who had started on their walk of faith with Jesus Christ and hard times came along and now they're looking at ditching it and going back to their former life. And the writer is saying, remember this, recall this. 
you were able to you were able to go through this because you knew that you had a future hope that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one so therefore do not throw away your confidence which has great reward for you have need of endurance so that when you've done the will of God you may receive what is promised but that future hope is throughout Right after this, we go into chapter 11, which is what? Okay, yeah. Yes, the faith chapter, right? The the hall of faith. And throughout that, let's just take a look at a few passages here because this is just this, this future hope is everywhere. Look at verse, uh, Hebrews 11, verse 8 to 10. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has its foundation, whose designer and builder is God. So he was able to obey and do hard things. Why? Because he knew he was looking forward to a city whose foundation is of God. He was looking forward to that glorious destiny that was his because of his faith. Look at verse 13 to 16. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised but having seen them and greeting that greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it, it, as it, as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. So they saw their life here on, on, on the earth as their pilgrims. They're passing through. This isn't their ultimate home. And all the things that they've been collecting here are not their ultimate reality. They're passing through because they have a greater reality waiting for them. And some of them, they died in faith not having received it. They knew it from afar. Hebrews eleven twenty four to 26. By faith, Moses, when he, had, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Right? It, it's not always easy going through the hard times. And if, you're, if your hope is built on what's around you, you won't make it. There, there's, a, there's an aspect of our faith where we need to pull in, we need to see what's coming for us and pull that back into this age so that we can live in the light of that. Because if we know, right, we know that every, everyone in this room is going to die. 
We know that. Uh, that's one thing in the human race we're, we're batting, right? Well, almost 100%. There's one that kind of beat it, right? But <laughs> He came from heaven. But everyone else, they live for the season. We don't know how long, and then we die. So if you're putting all of your eggs in your life here on planet Earth, it's a losing cause. But if you're putting your hope in the destiny that is yours as a follower of Jesus Christ and that future glory that's going to be revealed to us, you can endure whatever comes your way. And then the final, the final illustration is actually in chapter 12. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us, rain, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. So even Jesus is looking forward to something. When he's enduring the agony of hanging on the cross, for the joy that was set before him, He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So what's happening in this letter is there's a group of believers who are ready to give it all up and throw it all away because life gets hard. And this writer is laying before them the reminder of this glorious destiny which is theirs in Christ. And I I like what Peter says. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be revealed to you at the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's set your hope fully on the grace, future grace, right? We're we're living in grace right now. we've, We've been lavished with grace because of what Christ has done for us. But even Peter says, set your hope fully on the grace that will be revealed when Christ returns. Now, the believers in North Korea, okay, maybe we won't be called to go through those extreme tests of our faith. We might, but we don't know. But if they can endure the steamroller Right? we might be able to endure whatever smaller challenges we have here. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Uh, Lord, unless you open our eyes to the reality of it, Lord, unless you reveal to us a little more of the glory that will be revealed to us, Lord, we will be constantly looking for what's around us. Lord, I pray that you would set us free from being so entangled with this world. Lord, thank you so much for the blessings that you have given to us here But, Lord, I pray that we would hold those lightly. And, Lord, that we would look to you. 
everything on this earth can be taken away from us in a moment. Our health, our life, all of our possessions, everything can be taken away. But you can never be taken away from us. And so, God, would you set our hope on those things? Lord, I pray that we would, since we have been set free, Lord, that we would set our affections on things above. Father, thank you so much for your love to us. Thank you so much for the indwelling spirit that comforts us in our pain, comforts us in our trials. And Lord, thank you so much for the way that he works in reminding us of these future realities. Lord, help us to hold on to that. And Father, we want to also remember this month is the month of Ramadan. And 1.6 billion people on, on this planet are fasting every day and are thinking that in doing so, they are doing something that pleases you. And yet they've rejected or have not received the grace that is available for everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. And Lord, we want to remember them as well. God, would you do a a, a tremendous work amongst the Muslim peoples around the world? Lord, would you open up doors into the Muslims, into Muslim groups, unreached Muslim groups around the world, that they would be able to hear the gospel and be saved? And Lord, would you grant us that we would have courage and boldness. Lord, that we would look to those that you're bringing into this country. That we wouldn't be afraid of them, that we wouldn't be fearful of them, but Lord, rather that we would be compassionate and hold out the word of life to them. And Lord, let us be willing to suffer anything, anything, so that others would be able to hear the gospel. Lord, we come to you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.